0: Well, I want to encourage you all to take your Bibles out, and uh, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs this morning. How important are fathers? We live in a world where our culture is trying to continually blur the lines, to blur the distinctions between men and women. The values, the unique value of fathers and mothers to deny any difference between men and women and any difference in roles. But the reality is while our culture does that at the same time, it is blatantly obvious <laughs> that it's insanity. This past week I was reading a report from the University of Texas that was put out in 2017. And in a day when fewer children are growing up with their biological fathers, they, in this report, stated unequivocally that fathers make a huge difference. The report gave these statistics about children who grow up with involved fathers. Notice this. Children with involved fathers are 35% more likely to earn mostly A's in school. Children with involved fathers are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. Children with involved fathers are 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school. Children with involved fathers are two times more likely to go to college and to find stable employment after high school. Children with involved fathers are 75% less likely to have a teen birth. And children with involved fathers are 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Those, I think, are astounding statistics. Says that fathers have a tremendous value in the lives of their children. Now this isn't shocking news to most of us. Because most of us have known that God's Word says from the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, that God designed the family. And He designed the family with a father and a mother who raise children until they are launched. And it shouldn't surprise us that God's design matters and that it, it matters when we don't follow His design. I'm also pretty confident that most of us here today who are fathers, that we desire as fathers Or if you're not here as a father yet, you want to be a father someday. Most of us desire as fathers to be fathers, to be dads who have a maximum positive impact on our children and on our family. So it's appropriate this morning, I think, on Father's Day to, as we come back here to the book of Proverbs, where I read just a moment ago from Proverbs chapter 4, but to go back a chapter in this book of marvelous wisdom and look in Proverbs chapter 3 at some wonderful words about fathers, about dads. And I want us to notice in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning, four crucial blessings which godly dads, godly fathers, Bring to their families. We saw in the statistics here from University of Texas that men in general involved dads are a great blessing to their family. A great blessing to their children. But godly dads even bring more to the table. And here in Proverbs chapter three, we will see four great blessings that godly dads bring to their families. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Follow along as I read. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. The first blessing that godly dads bring to their children is that godly dads teach. They're teachers. Godly dads teach actively. They teach intentionally. They don't just leave the teaching to the school and to the school teachers. They don't even just leave the teaching to the Church teachers, they don't just leave the teaching of their children, the instruction of their children to the women folk. Even when children are young, as we were reading a moment ago in Proverbs chapter 4, as Solomon was reflecting on his own growing up. You remember he said, when I was young, when I was tender, the only son in the sight of my mother, He, he was his mother's only son. David, he says, his father took him aside, and his father spent invested time with him and taught him. His father was King David. As king, there were a lot of demands, I'm sure, on his schedule, a lot of things on his plate. And David, by this time, he had, by the way, had failure with a, many, with a number of other sons, had realized that I need to invest in my son. I need to spend time with my son. I need to teach him. Solomon says, "Uh, that was a good thing. So it is for all good dads. Good dads, godly dads, are teachers. Dads need to make it a priority to be involved in our children's education. Yes, in their academic education, but even more in life lessons. And even more importantly than that, Most especially, we need to be involved in their spiritual education, in their spiritual learning. I love this past week. We had junior camp, third, fourth, and fifth graders. And what a great week of camp it was. It was fun. It was exhausting. You can tell the folks who went because they still have bags under their eyes. (laughs) They still have kind of glazed over. But it was great. And I noticed... I was so excited. We had such a great staff. They're all volunteers and folks from our church, and and uh, it is a great camp. Thank you for praying, by the way, for that camp. But I was noticing we had four dads there, four dads who took a week off from work to invest time with their sons, their daughters, and other people's sons and daughters. And I love that. You see, godly dads are teachers. They recognize the value and the importance and the priority in teaching our children. Not only do they teach actively, they also teach passionately. You may have noticed here Solomon says, My son, 19 times, by the way, in the first eight chapters of, of this book of Proverbs, he says, My son or my sons. It's it's that you, you hear as you read it, he, he's saying it passionately. Son! Son, he says, don't forget. And in, in the next chapter, chapter 4, we've read that first verse here. Or listen up, son, listen to me. See, it's very personal. and It's very caring. And it's very passionate. Because he recognizes this stuff is really important. We get that even from that funny skit. <laughs> you know, we get it. Dads, what we have to say is important. The reason we don't say a lot of those other things is because it's important we say the right stuff. There's an urgency here. It is a matter, he says, of life. Length of days and years of life this will give to you. You'll live longer if you listen to me. Because you won't die as easily if you don't bungee jump out of the tree. <laughs> you know? Says, peace they will add to you. This will make your life better if you listen to me. And you will find, as it says there in verse, in verse four, favor and good success with God and with man. Godly fathers understand that teaching is not only important, so they are active, they teach passionately because they realize the success of their children, and we're not talking financial success, we're talking real success in life, depends on passing on good wisdom, good instruction to our children. Godly dads not only teach actively and passionately, they teach constantly. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 11 says this, teach them, he's talking to parents and he's talking about God's words. He says, teach them God's words to your children Talking about them when you at, at home and when you walk along by the, when you sit at home when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, it's from morning when you get up till night when you go to bed, and it's during the day when you're walking along and when you're doing stuff that all throughout the day we are busy teaching our children important things they need to know. And it's not just like school setting, you know, where we sit down, okay, kids, we're going to have class today. Sit up straight. Sit at your desk. While I drone on incessantly. (laughs) But rather, it's constantly teaching as life happens. In little snippets amidst the, the daily activities and the daily conversations and the daily events of life. I recall a father and son who went fishing. And they're out in the little boat and, and after a couple of hours, the son has lost interest in fishing as typical. And, and so he begins to just ponder the world around him. And he, he looks down and he says, Hey, dad, why does this boat float? <laughs> it's made out of metal. Metal should sink. How does this boat float? Dad says, Well, thinks about it a second. Son, I don't rightly know. I goes, Oh, you know while the son's looking down, he says, Dad, how do fish breathe underwater? <laughs> well, well, son, uh, don't really know. So, hey, Dad, why is the sky blue? Well, son, I don't rightly know. Son, you're thinking about it. He says, dad, do you mind me asking you all these questions? Well, son, of course not. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. (laughs) The reality is, of course, our kids have all kinds of questions we don't have the answers to, don't they? We don't have the answers to everything. But as moms and as dads, we recognize the importance of teaching our children. And so we look for opportunities to teach. We look for opportunities to Tell them the information they do need to know. And it's worth noting the format of this whole book of Proverbs. This whole book of Proverbs is got lots and lots and lots of little bits of information. Seldom do you have in Proverbs much of a section where it talks about one subject. Usually it's just here, this little bit, this little bit, this little snippet, that little snippet. And the important themes and the important things... Come up again and again and again and again. And what I see in that is a a good pattern for you and I to follow with our kids. It's as we go through the days that little things trigger little things that make us say, Hey, you know what that reminds me of is this. And have you ever wondered about this? Well, let's talk about this. And, And it's triggered by the things of the day, the events of the day. And we teach them God's wisdom all along the way. And never too much at one time, but we make sure that the important stuff we come back to again and again and again. Lots of wisdom in that. Not only do, do godly dads teach constantly, but they teach creatively. The Proverbs, as you go through, what you discover is that they are, they are written to be memorable, and so there is humor. There are word pictures. There is. There are things that are kind of shocking to read, and there are things that don't just lay lay the truth out there. Sometimes you have to think about it. What does that mean? Things to get to peak interest and to grab attention and to to be memorable. Now, the reality is, I'm not saying you have to be artistic or poetic, or because some of these proverbs are that you have to be creative to to be able to teach your kids. And if you're not, you just go, well, it's hopeless. I can't. What it's saying is that we need to put effort into learning how to communicate to our children. What is it that communicates with this child? What is it that, how how does this child understand? How do they think? And each of our kids are different. We have to study our children and then we have to be intentional about how we teach. As I look back in my, in my child rearing, the one thing, if I could go back and change things and do it different, I would be more intentional. I would be more proactive in teaching my children spiritually. I'm saying, not saying we didn't do it. I'm saying, as I look back, I just wish I had done more. Dads, moms, we get it. Life is so short with our, the time with our kids is so short and it goes so fast and it's over before we know it. But when you're in the middle of it, you think this will never end. (laughs) We have to be intentional. And be creative. Well, if you're not creative, what do you do? Well, you get help. And there's lots of help out there and lots of resources out there. And one, I'll just put in a plug for Nathan Hamilton's website, kidsenjoyingjesus.com. Tons of free and really good resources there for you to use as dads and as moms in teaching your kids. If you're a dad and you're not, you have never been to that website, well go today just wait till after the sermon unless you're falling asleep if it'll helps keep you awake go there now it's okay i won't mind a second thing that godly dads do godly dads teach godly dads also point their kids to jesus the most important thing that we can teach our children is to have a relationship with jesus christ and while teaching is important, the best instruction is demonstration. More is caught at home than is taught at home. Dads, if we want our kids to follow Jesus, we need to live it out. We need to be examples for our kids. Three things I see about, uh, in, in Solomon's curriculum here to learn about our God. The first is, look in verses 5 and 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. The first thing we need to know about our God, about Jesus Christ, is that we can trust God. We can trust the Lord because He is trustworthy and because His way is the best way. Our natural inclinations are not to do the right thing, but to do the wrong thing, the sinful thing. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says it this way, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And the typical inclination we have is almost always wrong. (laughs) And it's, Almost always sinful and it leads to problems. It ultimately leads to death. That's such an important proverb. It's twice in the book of Proverbs, here in 1625, also in 14 verse 21. Second thing that we need to learn as dads try to point their children to God is that children need to learn to fear the Lord. Do not be wise, it says in verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Two things, I think, that are, that are in here that help us understand what it looks like. As we try to teach our children to fear the Lord, because we're saying, trust the Lord. But how do you trust the Lord if you fear the Lord? To fear the Lord isn't to be the cower in fear but it's to recognize two things. is to recognize that God is God and we are not. And so we need to be humble before God. Kids are born prideful. <laughs> they think the world revolves around them. And they think they know everything, just like we did. And some of us, unfortunately, still struggle with that. We think we know better than God. We think we know more than God. As kids, we think we know more than our parents. Part of our job as parents is to teach our children that no, they don't know everything. And yes, they need to listen. And yes, they need to be humble. That is an important lesson in dealing with other people. And it's crucial in dealing with God. He is God. We are not. As Solomon goes on to say, down in verse 34 of the same chapter, we won't go there this morning, but it says, Toward the scorners, he, that's God, is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. You go, okay, and you, what does that mean? Well, I think it doesn't come across very well in the ESV, but it's quoted over in the book of James. And over there, they translate it the way that I think it is very plain and very easy. So we'll go to James. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace The humble. That's it. We need to be. We need to be humble before God. And we, when we are humble before God, we discover God's grace. But when we are prideful and arrogant towards God, we run into God's opposition. He opposes the proud. The second lesson in fearing the Lord it means to this. That instead of going our own way, because we we recognize that God is God and we are not, instead of going our own way, we turn away from evil. Because our own way is the natural inclination is towards evil. And we go God's way. We listen to God. We go His way. Because as he goes on to explain in verse 8, not only is it the right thing to do to go God's way, it's the better way to go. Why? He says, that it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. In other words, when you go God's way, it's beneficial to your flesh. It's better for you physically. You will be physically better off in life when you live life God's way than if you live life your own way and sinfully. And he says, and it's refreshment to your bones, to your inside. You will be better off emotionally and mentally when you live life God's way than when you go off your own way. So godly dads teach their children. And in teaching their children, they point their children to Jesus by their words and by their example, teaching them to trust the Lord and teaching them to fear the Lord. And lastly, in teaching them to honor the Lord. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, when we honor God, it means to make Him the priority in our life. And nothing shows the content of our heart like what we do with our stuff. And so he says here in teaching our kids to honor God, that we teach them to honor God with their stuff, with the first fruits of their stuff. When we honor God with our stuff, we tend to honor Him with everything else. As Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. When we honor God with the first of our stuff, everything else tends to fall into place. So godly dads point children to Jesus in our, through our trust, through our fear and obedience of God, and through honoring and worshiping Him. third thing that godly dads bring to their families, the third blessing, we find it in verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. God is a good father. And as a good father, God disciplines us. And we learn from that that good and godly fathers discipline their children. A third blessing that godly dads bring to their families is godly dads discipline their children. We all go, is discipline really a good thing? (laughs) That's what kids think. Discipline is not a good thing. Discipline is a bad thing. Hebrews says, no discipline seems good for the moment. But in the end, there is a harvest of good things, of righteousness that comes from that. Discipline is a good thing because discipline is essential. As parents, we know that. Discipline is necessary for children because we discovered, as those of you who've had children, you discovered the minute your kids were born that kids are born with a sin nature. Our sweet babies don't need to be taught to be sinners. It comes naturally. But they need continual instruction of how not to sin, of how to do right. Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Kids just naturally want to do what is stupid. That's what it says. (laughs) Kids naturally just want to go play in the street. Kids naturally just want to touch hot stoves. Kids naturally just want to stick things in electrical sockets. Kids naturally want to do what will destroy themselves or other things. And so they need correction. They are inclined spiritually to go down sinful paths that are dangerous and destructive. And they need correction. And so for that reason, not only is is discipline essential, but discipline is an act of love. Matter of fact, again, Proverbs puts it this way. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Ignoring a child's sin, ignoring a child's rebellion, ignoring a child's disobedience, Ignoring a child's you know, wrong behavior is not loving because eventually it leads to worse problems in life. Again, Proverbs puts it this way. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but the child left to himself disgraces his mother. Literally, when it says the child left to himself, it means the child who does whatever they want. The child who gets away with doing whatever they want disgraces his mother. In other words, they end up eventually, parchance on the 10 o'clock evening news, <laughs> and not in a good, you know, good news of the week. That's the point. There is, as well, not only is, is it important, there is a limited window of time to discipline our children. There's only so long that we have to discipline our kids. If you, if you're a parent and have had teenagers, you understand it. Discipline your kids when they're little is one thing. When they become 14, 15, 16, it becomes much more, more difficult and even more difficult when they're 17 and 18 and then forget it. <laughs> and so, discipline them, Proverbs says, dis- discipline your son and implied in this is it within this window of opportunity, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. You see, if you don't discipline, if you are not involved dads and moms in disciplining your children when they are young, you become a party in their death when eventually they lose their life because of folly and stupidity and wickedness and sin take advantage of the time that we have to discipline our children while they are young, to teach those lessons of respect for authority, of following the right path rather than the sinful path, of controlling their temper, of learning to deal with when you don't get everything you want, of following the rules, of being kind to others, teaching them those things while they are young. As the Bible says, it gives long life when we learn those young. I note in this passage as we have before us this morning, there are two words it uses for discipline. It talks about, for the Lord reproves. That word reproves is, or reproof, speaks of verbal correction. Verbal correction, which, involve, which need, involves Teaching, it involves warning, it involves instruction. It takes a lot of effort, moms and dads. A lot of moms and dads don't discipline their children well because simply they're lazy. Godly dads are not lazy. They recognize we need to invest in this. And it takes time to instruct our kids. Here's the right thing to do. We're going to be going here, and here's what's expected of you, and here's what you, here's what you need to do, and here's what you shouldn't do, and here's the consequences if you do the wrong thing. And there's lots of pre-teaching up ahead. That's called reproof and correction when things are not right. And then there is the word discipline, which refers refers to corrective action and to physical punishment. And all through Proverbs, it talks about the rod, the you know the paddle. <laughs> as the symbol of punishment, that there are lots of different ways of physical correction. But there is a consistent follow-through with consequences. There is instruction, reproof. There, is also, there are also consequences. Good and godly parenting requires both of those. Lots of teaching, instruction, warning, and, and consistent follow-through. And moms and dads, I get how difficult it is. We pray for you. That's why we pray for you. It takes patience. It takes a lot of strength and stamina and willpower to do that. All of this is motivated. All of this is governed by love. There is no abuse here. There is no acting in anger towards kids, losing tempers. There is not... Seeking vengeance upon kids for what they did. Discipline may involve punishment, but punishment is never the purpose. It's never the aim. The aim is correction. Producing positive change in our kids. Well, there's a fourth thing that godly dads bring to the table they bless their family with they bless them by teaching they bless their children by pointing them to Jesus they bless their children by godly discipline they also bless their children by loving them godly dads love their kids again verse 12 for the lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights Even as God loves us, godly dads love their kids not only enough to to discipline them, but they love them to delight in them. Godly dads recognize that kids are not a burden. Kids are a blessing. They are awesome. Godly fathers find joy in their children. They recognize that their children are a gift from God. As Solomon's father put it, King David, said, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, in that day and time, when he speaks here of arrows and he speaks of a quiver, you didn't go down to Walmart and buy, you know, Couple dozen arrows you made your arrows, you had to go out, and you had to find it took a lot of effort to find the right sticks that you can can shape into an arrow shaft and you had to you had to to make a point that you carefully and securely affixed to that arrow and you had to you had to get the feathers and attach the feathers, and you had to do all this just right, so you've got an arrow that is straight and true, and when you fire it, it goes straight. It took a lot of effort to make a good arrow. Every one, hand-made. And you get this arrow and you put it in your quiver and you fill your quiver with arrows. And he's saying, and again, the analogy here is using this, referring to kids. And he's saying, but the whole point of arrows is not to get a quiver full of arrows that you hang on your mantle above your fireplace and you go, look at that, those beautiful arrows. The whole purpose of arrows was you needed arrows because you wanted to eat as a family and you had to go hunt <laughs> And you had to go get some food or you had to protect your your sheep or your your flocks from predators. And so you had a weapon to protect. The whole point of arrows was to take those arrows and go out and shoot them. And you wanted them to go straight and to do their to do their purpose. And he's saying that's. Dads, what we have in our children. Our children are a precious gift from God, but they're not just a gift that God has given to us to enjoy and say, man, look at my kids and we just have fun together. It's to recognize our kids are a stewardship from God and God has given to us for a very short while. And our mission is to prepare our kids to launch. To prepare our kids to be launched out into the world, to go out and to live well, to live right, and to honor God and serve Him. And so godly dads love their children. They take delight in them, but they take delight in them looking to launch them. I loved being a dad. Hard not to get emotional talking about being a dad. I loved it. I miss having my kids running around the house. I miss that. It It was hard when my kids left. When they left home, there was a real emptiness. I couldn't walk into Walmart for six months because my son worked there for years. And I just couldn't take it. Then it was hard when they came back, but that's another story. <laughs> now, I loved being a dad, but um, it's even better now watching my children with their children. And as I watch my children love their kids. And as I watch my children invest in their children and they desire to see their children follow Jesus and know Jesus and love Christ, that really rocks my world. The arrows have been launched. The baton is being passed to another generation. And the next generation is being prepared. And that's the way that God planned. One more reality in this text that I see as I as I come to the end, and it both excites me and disturbs me. And as I read this passage, and I especially in that last verse, as I read carefully, what I realize is there's a thrilling and yet convicting truth about fathers here. And that is this that we dads, we fathers, we represent God to our children. That the way that we discipline our children and the way that we love our children in a very real sense forms their image of God. The reality is, dads, or guys who are gonna be dads, we're not up to that task. The enormity of that reality should drive us to our knees in humility and in desperation before God. Praying and asking that God will enable us in some way to be able to represent Him well to our children. So somehow be able to reflect and to show to our children a little bit of the grace of God, a little bit of the love of God, a little bit of the kindness and goodness of God, a little bit of the gentleness and faithfulness of God a little bit of the joy that there is in relating with God so that our kids will see that in us and they will love God and want to follow Him. So dads, know this morning that you are incredibly important. And Let me encourage you to hang in there. It's tough business being a dad. Let me encourage you to hang in there. Pour yourself into this God-given honor of a role of being a dad in your home. Pour yourself into it. It's tough. It's challenging. It's even overwhelming. But if you ask God for help, He will give it to you. I also recommend you get some support. <laughs> get with another man or several other guys. Study God's Word together. Pray together. Cry on each other's shoulders. Because sometimes you got to do that. Are you struggling? Get help. (laughs) Come talk with me or anybody else in the church and say, Hey man, I'm struggling. I guarantee you, there's not a one of us who haven't and who don't. You may be here this morning, you're not a dad. What does any of this have to do with you? Well, three things. First of all, honor your dad. Whether you're here or whether you're at home. It's Father's Day. Honor your dad today. But it shouldn't just be today. Scripture calls us to honor God and honor our fathers continually. Proverbs teaches, by the way, the best way to honor your father is to listen to them. Listen to their wisdom. Secondly, you may not be a dad here this morning. You're watching online. You may not be a dad. But pray and pray for and encourage the dads you know. It may be your son, maybe your husband, maybe a neighbor, it may be a brother or, you know, whatever. Somebody across the room from you here this morning. You know dads and they need encouragement. Pray for them. Go up to them and just say, you know, I appreciate you and I'm praying for you. Or when you see something good, say, I really love the way that you did this with your son, with your daughter. They could use that encouragement. Lastly, reach out. All around you, there are children living without fathers in their lives. Some of them are here in this church. Some of them are in your extended family. Some of them live next door to you or in your neighborhood. These kids face enormous challenges if they don't have a dad in their life. And maybe, and I would say not even maybe, I would say probably God is calling for you and for me to get involved in the lives of children who don't have dads. Just to be one more voice who encourages them, one more voice who points them to Jesus. We can't replace their dads, but by God's grace, we can make a difference in their lives and point them to the perfect Father who never leaves and who never fails. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you. Thank you for being our Father who never leaves and never fails. Thank You for being the Father whom we can trust all the time. And then You've given us earthly fathers. None of them are perfect. Some of us are less perfect than others. But Father, may we honor our dads this day. And and may You help the dads here among us, the dads who are listening this morning. May You encourage them. May You strengthen them. May You lift them up. Help us as dads to be these things that this text has called us to be as godly dads. Our homes need it in this messed up, crazy world in which we live. We need godly dads who teach and who point to Jesus and who discipline and who love. Father, in Your grace, may You raise up in the next generation more godly dads how this world needs godly dads until Jesus returns. So, Father, may we be faithful in the jobs you've given us to do, both for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.